Welcome to the Smarter MSP Podcast, helping MSPs build better businesses one discussion at a time. Good morning, good afternoon. Welcome to the Smarter MSP Podcast. Today we're here for episode seven, and it's amazing that we've had all this content over the last six episodes, but we don't fall short. Today we've got another great guest, along with some valuable information around the shifting threat landscape. Today you're joined by myself, Ken Bartlett, and Aaron Crowley. Uh, We're your hosts, but we also have a special guest. The ransomware attack on the colonial pipeline in the United States has dominated the news headlines but also of importance to MSPs was the US government's executive order in response, which aimed to improve the government's cybersecurity standards, specifically with regards to zero trust security. Yes, and discuss more of the specifics of the executive order and what it means for MSPs. We are joined today by Chris Quellen, who is the Senior Director of Product Management for Barracud MSP. Welcome, Chris. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I've been uh, with Barracuda now for about six years. I run product management, as you said, for the Barracuda MSP division. Prior to that, I spent 14 years with RSA um, in uh, a lot of security, specifically in multi-factor authentication, and also spent a little bit of time as well uh, with data in the uh, data protection sphere. Awesome. Thank you. So talking about security is not a new topic for you, which is great because, you know, with this topic, it it really does get into some of those strategic conversations about security. So with this executive order, which was issued on May 12th, uh, focuses on strengthening the cybersecurity stance of the federal government organization. It focuses on five key aspects of cybersecurity, um, if you really read through there. But can you kind of expand on these aspects for us and what they kind of you know, what do they entail and why are they important? Sure. So the first one is the sharing of threat information between the private sector and the federal government. Uh, as you can imagine, there's a lot of different federal agencies. They have data and capabilities in terms of threat intelligence that, you know, historically have not always been shared either between the agencies themselves or with the private sector. And there's a lot of data that can be mined there in the interest of identifying threats. And by making that available to the private sector, that can potentially enhance a lot of the capabilities of security tools out there um, that we have today and help them identify and then mitigate threats. Secondly, modernizing and strengthening cybersecurity with zero trust architecture. You have cloud security services that include SaaS, IaaS, HaaS, um, and the centralizing and streamlining of access to security or cybersecurity data for identification and in the investigation of of cyber threats. That's a big deal because this really puts zero trust architecture at the forefront. Uh, Whereas classically, many institutions have been using the classic VPN architecture. This really sets out that zero trust architecture is the way to go uh, in in the future. Third, establishing baseline security standards for all software used by the government, which will require software vendors to provide visibility of their security data. Uh, and that goes through government contractors, but you're going to see that that's going to proliferate throughout the private sector as a lot of different government standards like NIST, for example, have gone much beyond what the government actually does and what their contractors are required to do. But it also goes to everybody who works with those contractors. And usually that ends up rippling out through the entire industry. Fourth is creating a, a standard playbook for the cyber incident response. Companies have differing levels of 
uh, cybersecurity capabilities and, and expertise. And, and this is an area where by having a standard playbook, you can see and get some level of standardization in the response and making sure that people aren't missing steps that when, for example, the government gets involved in, in potentially forensics investigations, you have the data that you need and potentially you're able to go after the people that uh, perpetrated the crimes um, and even get uh, get their money back, as in the colonial case where they were able to recover some of the money that was stolen. Lastly, improving cyber threat detection, investigation, and remediation processes. That's something that's been remiss for quite a few years now. Uh, and this is a great opportunity for not just the government, but the private sector to kind of step up their own uh, cybersecurity defenses. Thanks, Chris. Um- Another question for you that occurred to me here, specifically on the zero trust architecture, it's, it's very interesting. Those are big steps that you explained. You know, I can understand how there'd be an intimidation factor, but that executive order provides very little detailed sort of understanding. You know, as, a, as an MSP, I imagine I'd want more as a business owner or an enterprise owner, some type of system, and I want more information about those changes. So do you have any thoughts on what they may be referring to specifically? Maybe just a couple points there. Yeah, so specifically what we're seeing is that digital transformation, right, from moving from more of a office-based working environment to more of a hybrid or even a completely remote work environment and a new remote workforce. There is now going to be a, and we've seen it over the last year, it was already happening, it's now accelerated in the COVID era, but businesses are now using more cloud-based applications like you know, Microsoft OneDrive or other SaaS applications like Slack, Salesforce, things like that. And this creates a high demand for a, more of a zero trust architecture where you are not necessarily on the company network and you're not necessarily beholden to a firewall examining traffic, blocking the bad guys out, um, you know, that sort of attack. But instead you've got people are accessing SaaS applications uh, from potentially, you know, their own devices, whether it's their own mobile devices or they have their own laptop or, or something, or it could be, you know, a corporate device. And a zero trust architecture really allows you to enforce security policies outside of your own corporate network. And that allows you to adapt to that changing um, that changing world, that changing environment that you're managing and you're responsible for as an MSP. And so the zero trust architecture is a framework or a security standard. And Gartner, for example, defines it as a never trust and an always verify. And the goal there is to secure the business data for every user or from every user, I should say, and every device. And no matter where it is, whether it's on the corporate network or it's out in the SaaS world or IaaS or whatever, it has to be flexible in a way that the classic uh, IT infrastructure um, to date has never been. So the zero trust really, uh, that approach requires strict verification of not just the user, but also the device and you have to trust your own policies um, to basically make sure that you manage the access to the data so that you have confidence that the, the level of security for that data is accessed by the level of security that you've basically set forth in the policies of a zero trust framework. So for example, making sure that if somebody's going to access um, important data in OneDrive, that they're accessing it from a corporate managed device that it um, you know had two-factor authentication on and other certain policies are having applied to that device, not just that the user was able to authenticate successfully. I like that. Never trust, always verify. And it's that, you know, in itself is kind of unconventional to a lot of legacy concepts with regards to securing networks. So flipping things around and, and while it may be a little more inconvenient in theory, the technology there today, the zero trust architecture there today actually raises the bar and scales better and becomes, it drives productivity uh, through more control, more policy refinement. 
So uh, yeah, and really, a, a zero trust framework doesn't really necessarily have to be more inconvenient. Um, you know, there's always the authentication. Hopefully, people are using MFA now rather than you know password authentication. But a lot of this zero trust, a good zero trust solution allows it to be seamless in the background for the end user. It's just about applying the policies correctly and making sure they can access what they should be accessing given where they're coming from. With that and with this executive order in general, I mean, how do you think this is really going to make an impact with other sectors and industries and and will it? Will it and, and how could it? So, you know, executive orders, particularly, you know, in any sphere, but uh, cybersecurity in particular, those always entice other industries to follow suit uh, for a couple of reasons. One is that you've got contractors that are now going to be beholden to those um, uh, those orders and the, the new standards that result. And then there are people that work with those contractors. Um, and then uh, just in general, the industry, IT people are, are often looking for guidance on how to uh, protect themselves, how to deal with the latest threats, how to manage their own, um, their own infrastructure. And um, having standards like that allows them to go forward to uh, protect themselves, but also demonstrate to others that they have protected themselves and their customers, almost more importantly. Um, knowing that I can point to this and said, the government said that if you do this, you'll be safe. I've implemented this and I am compliant with this. And it's uh, something that they can point to um, and to give their own customers a little bit more peace of mind. Hopefully it does. And, and hopefully we we can find a way to really, you know, up our defenses and make sure that everyone is is safe and, and knows what's going on as, as these things are happening. You know, keep it real time and keep everybody informed. I have one more question, Chris, um, and thank you again. I mean, this is really sort of providing some uh, more visibility on what we've, other than what we've heard in the media around this. How does Zero Trust uh, specifically protect against popular cyber attacks, like the one that shut down the Colonial Pipeline? You know, this is uh, sort of circulating um, in everyone's feed, news feeds, et cetera. So uh, I'd like to get your take on that. Yeah, so Zero Trust offers a level of control and security that traditional methods like VPNs don't. When you use ZTNA, as we call it for short, uh, you can use a ZTNA approach allows companies to set up access control to their data and applications uh, by minimizing the risks involved with opening their network to all the users. So it goes beyond just having, you know, are you Joe, give me your username and password, or maybe even, you know, your multi-factor, um, you know, code. It, it goes beyond that to have I seen this device that they've logged in before? Have I seen this geography that they're coming in for? Is this a new IP? Is it a blocked IP? That sort of thing. And it goes into, you know, is it a public Wi-Fi or whatever? There's lots of different factors that you can take into it to basically say if they've reached this level of, of confidence, you know, risk set in, the, in the risk assessment, that they can access these particular sets of, of uh, sources of data. But if they don't reach that threshold, then they can only access you know, something else with lesser, lesser criticality, right? So each request is verified for the user's identity and for the security posture of that device. And then zero trust, that approach just increases the security posture far beyond what you'll see in just a, a straight up authentication from a VPN or, or something like that. And it also is scalable and enhances the productivity for, for users because uh, you're enabled to do more in a, in a cloud environment that otherwise you might want in-house and therefore subjected to um, the sc scrutiny of security uh, measures that you can just do at sort of at the perimeter level. Now you're sort of enabled to say, okay, I'm willing to put out more sensitive data out in the cloud because I can protect it more safely using a, a ZTNA solution. When you, when you put it like that, uh, you know, those verification checks, am I Joe? Do I pass MFA? 
you know, do I have AV? What's the, what's the version of the definitions? You know, those sort of gates, so to speak, you know, that really resonates. That makes sense. Who wouldn't want that when you, when you put it in that sort of framework? So um, those are great examples, Chris. Thanks again. for. for yeah. And I would almost uh, characterize it not even so much as gates, so much as bars. So there are levels of, of those thresholds that you're basically setting and saying, if you have, you've authenticated properly on, for example, a new device you've never seen before, yeah, you can access this data, but if you've authenticated and you've got a known device, it's corporate managed, I've seen it before, I know it's safe, it's got antivirus, it's up to date, blah, blah, blah. You can access the most secure data sitting in these particular SaaS applications, for example, that have no connectivity back to the corporate network. That's the kind of thing that ZTNA enables. As we continue to see, Chris, you hit on this, the remote shift, the, the working from home, that wave is still a trend having that zero trust architecture will become a necessity for businesses and, and businesses large and businesses small. You know, this is an all encompassing uh, hygiene recommendation that we're making that we're seeing here from this executive order. This makes it even more important for MSPs responsible for their cybersecurity, uh, their customer cybersecurity to take note of those recommendations and, and especially zero trust, right? It's, it's there to raise the bar, raise the standards and allow you to deliver those services in a more security conscious manner and ultimately protect your clients and their data. Thank you, Chris, for, for breaking this down and, and making it into more digestible pieces for everybody to really understand the importance of not only this executive order, but the zero trust network access. And you do have a, a post on Smarter MSP that goes into a little bit more details. So we do suggest hop over there if you need some more information, but it's definitely something we will keep everyone updated as more information comes out, if it comes out on what you can do for your business and for your client. And Chris, thank you for joining us, taking the time today and to our listeners for joining us as well. We look forward to bringing you another insightful episode of Smarter MSP podcast very soon. So stay tuned. For daily insights delivered directly to your inbox, subscribe to SmarterMSP.com.